Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is The Guardian. Welcome to the final word, Ashes Daily. I'm Emma John, and you can't see it, but I'm smiling. Because for once on this Ashes tour, England gave their followers here in the UK something to actually get up for this morning. I doubt my Australian colleagues, Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon over in Sydney, will be losing any sleep over it. However, England are still a good 158 runs behind on first inning scores with only three wickets left in hand. And they're not threatening a miracle win quite yet, but that doesn't mean there's not plenty to celebrate. How about England's first century of the series? How about Johnny Bairstow's first century in two and a half years? How about the fact that England was 36 for four when they walked into lunch and 258 for seven when they walked off to have their dinner? Bairstow's contribution was the vital one, a punchy, resilient knock from a punchy, resilient man. But he took inspiration too from Ben Stokes, with whom he spent the afternoon session counter-attacking Australia's fearsome bowling unit. They survived both savage blows and perilous chances. Stokes was hit all over the body. Bairstow had to have his left thumb bandaged. England made the most of their luck too. Stokes wasn't only dropped by Pat Cummins in his follow-through, he somehow survived a ball from Cameron Green that audibly hit the off-stump and still left the bails on. The umpire was so confused he tried to give him out leg before. But that's the way it should be in a tale of heroism, and their hundred partnership was truly heroic. Because England had already done an England by the time they came together. Haseeb Hamid made a horrible miss of a straight ball from Mitchell Stark. And then when their Melbourne tormentor Scott Boland came on to bowl, England had managed to lose three wickets for no runs in five overs. Even Joe Root hadn't stuck around this time, and his seven-ball duck gave Boland a pretty extraordinary achievement of his own. Since getting Bairstow out at the MCG, the bowler had taken six wickets without conceding a single run. Anyway, you don't need all the details of England's collapse. You can picture it easily enough. What you really need to know is that Stokes spent two and a half hours hitting shots he had no right to with the side strain he's carrying, and Bairstow made 42 runs off the first 38 deliveries he faced from Nathan Lyon. There were eight fours and three sixes in Bairstow's hundred, which he reached after Stokes had left him and Joss Butler had gone for a lame duck chip to cover. But Bairstow had found another feisty partner in Mark Wood, and Wood walloped Cummins for three sixes of his own before the Australian captain got his own back and had him caught off his helmet. Whether England have enough fight in them for a battling second innings, we will find out soon enough. 
but they've saved a follow-on and they've salvaged some pride with it. Now, over to Jeff and Adam in Sydney for their thoughts. Day three here at Sydney. It started late and it became a celebration of Johnny Bairstow, who went three and a half years between drinks as far as test centuries are concerned. A period of time when he was in the side, out of the side, had the gloves, didn't have the gloves. I think a number of times you thought his test career was probably over. Not picked for the first test at Brisbane, not picked at Adelaide, recalled at Melbourne, showed some grit, but it wasn't enough. They get thrashed, they retain him here. He still hasn't got the gloves. He comes in with England in disarray at four for 36 or 36 for four, depending on where you went to school. 70 dot balls between runs either side of lunch. It is going a certain way. They look like they're going to be following on this evening. Uh, they look like they're, they're going to be in a world of pain, but he said no. It was an innings of courage. As his thumb was nearly ripped out of his hand, out of his glove, I should say, uh, at one point. It was an innings of enterprise, and ultimately and it's an innings that has ensured that England will enter the fourth day they're still fighting, still scrapping, and I really admire the way he went about it. 158 runs behind England at the end of the day. Uh, the first order of business was to save the follow-on, and when yes. they were 36 for four, and we'll come back to the first session again in a minute, when Stokes and Bairstow came together, and Stokes was incredibly fortunate after a ball from Cameron Green hit his off stump, <laughs> smashed his off stump, and the bail didn't come off. He was on six at the time. Uh, and then he decided, okay, I'm hurt. Everything hurts. Every time I play a shot, it hurts. I'm just going to get the maximum number of runs from every shot, therefore. Started hitting sixes. An outrageous cover drive off Nathan Lyon for six. Bairstow started doing the same. They hit three sixes off Lyon, five fours between them. And they were having a rock and roll stand like the one they had at Headingley in 2019 when yeah. uh, suddenly they were going at 10 and over in that game. It wasn't quite that drastic in this game, but it was almost for a while. They were flying. So 99 runs without loss in the second session after to being 4 for 36 in the first session uh, and then Stokes falls for 66 and you're thinking well he's the one who's going to, to go on to the big score and, and Nathan Lyon gets in with a clever piece of bowling skids one on with the arm coming around the wicket pitches in line so plumb that Stokes walked on the LBW he just turned around and walked off before the umpire's finger went up but it was Bairstow who stayed the course it was Bairstow who he got bandaged up he was in a lot of pain after Pat Cummins like you say, it bent the thumb back so savagely. It looked awful on the slow-mo replays. Everyone, you could hear that ooh around the ground as they saw it on the replay. And yet Bairstow pushed on. He went through. He kept counter-attacking. Then he settled down and, and, and grounded out for the last hour or so. And he finally brought up that 100, you know, Steve War style. Uh, not quite the last ball of the day, but only three balls to go when he slashed away a boundary and went to 103. Yeah, there was a couple of balls to end that final over when he thought about doing the same and didn't make contact. He's been out for 99 before. I remember him getting his front pad blown off on 99. It would have been five years ago now against against South Africa. But yeah, the, the, the way that partnership ended on 128, uh, great bit of bowling from Lyon. It reminded me of what Lyon was saying back in 2017 about learning to bowl ugly when he needed to to get the ball to go straight on. He almost undercut the ball and um, that was enough to just disorient Stokes who the previous over went inside out, miscuing, well not miscuing, but not getting to the pitch and popping him into the trumpet stand. Most glorious piece of batsmanship, uh, enterprising batsmanship. And then he's out, and then next ball, Bairstow gets whacked on the thumb from Cummins at the other end. So in consecutive deliveries, it looks as though they've got out, they've got Stokes out, and they've effectively knocked out Bairstow. But after about five or six minutes, Bairstow's like, no, 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 I'm going to crack on. And I reckon there would have been people in the England dressing room saying, do not crack on. Do not risk doing further damage. Mm -hmm. Just come in, get some treatment, retire hurt, and we'll reassess. But it speaks to his bloody-minded uh, state of mind, I suppose, when it, when it comes to... 
the way in which he just wasn't going to resolve from the task. Even after losing Josh Butler a couple of overs later, Butler, who's in strife himself with that injury he picked up when wicket-keeping yesterday, it wouldn't surprise me if Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow and Josh Butler all miss through injury next week at Hobart, by the way. Um, but at the moment, it'll be Johnny Bairstow, 103, celebrating an unlikely century when you look at the, the last few years of his life. He's seventh in Test cricket, he's second in Australia, but I must say, I, I thought I'd seen the last Johnny Bairstow Test 100, and I'm, and I'm thrilled to be wrong. It was such an emotional response, as it kind of always is with Johnny, uh, but this, this meant a tremendous amount to him, uh, as it would, uh, and it was recognised accordingly. Ashes 100 for England batsmen in Australia, Joe Root 0, Johnny Bairstow 2. Yep. You have to go back a little bit before you find England players who've done that. Jonathan Trott did it, Alistair Cook did it, Michael Vaughan did it, Mark Butcher did it, Kevin Peterson did it. So it's it's back to that sort of quality of player who made multiple Ashes hundreds in Australia. How Bears about though. this little beauty that came through, uh, I think, to both of us on Twitter, or maybe it was through our DMs, I can't quite recall. Either way, it was through the final word that no England player in this series has made a hundred on a venue where they're playing until today because, of course, Stokes and Bairstow had Ashes hundreds, but both at the Wacker where they're not playing. Right. So that was set right today. But, yeah, it was kind of a, a reminder just how outmatched they are when it comes to bulk and, and runs. Milan. Milan has one at the Wacker too. At the Wacker too. Sorry, right, you are. Three three England players with Test hundreds there, but but nowhere yep. else around the country until uh, Bairstow saluted on, on the cusp of stumps. It, it, it felt... It felt fun today. It felt like it wasn't necessarily a contest because Australia was so far ahead, but it felt like finally this was England saying, you know what, bugger it. Like, let's do something. Let's have a go. Let's get stuck into them. Uh, And so there was that momentum. It was, you talked about Johnny Bairstow having the gloves, not having the gloves. I reckon Joss Butler's going to not have the gloves after this test match, injury or not. Walked out hit it straight to short cover again. How many times has he done that in Test Match Cricket? So many times. As soon as he comes in, Australia put a short cover in and he has hit it there and got out to it so many times. Out for naught. When it was it was perfectly set up, I thought, that Stokes and Bairstow, they were attacking, they had this momentum, they were throwing caution to the wind. You thought, if there's a time that Joss Butler can come in and be Joss Butler, it's now when he doesn't have to defend. But he came in, played a few defensive shots, poked it around and then straight to that short cover. It's painful to see, but... I reckon he's done for England in he, Test cricket. He probably is, unless he has a decent time away from the game. He's not an old man. I mean, Butler is like relatively young. We think of mm. him as being like 37, but he's, I think he's 31. There's no reason he can't come back after a time, and uh, it doesn't need to be for now. He, door he, he shut. Seems but right cooked. now, yeah, th- th- that's the point I'm going to make. He's a three-format player. He's a franchise cricketer as well. A lot of white ball responsibilities for his country and myriad other teams that he represents. I think just time to justice to to spool back a little bit and 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 take stock because he looks an exhausted man um, you've got a feel for him uh, you know it's not as though he wants to bat poorly he doesn't want to make low scores no one goes out there hoping to fail it just feels as though he, there's a hurdle there for him at the moment he used all his petrol tickets at Adelaide and he's been spent ever since so I mean, and in a, in a way the, the batting that you're talking about though you see Mark Wood boshing 39 from 41 balls that first six off Pat Cummins which Cummins was hosing herself laughing you know two men out for the hook and uh, and 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 Wood goes back for that shot and goes between the two of them and smacks it into the Brewongle stand 20 rows back. I mean, that's just like everything about why we love Mark Wood, that he'll still mm-hmm. take on the challenge, he'll still back himself. And he hung around for a partnership that was worth, in the end, as I looked down at my notes, 72 with Bairstow. If not for Wood, Bairstow doesn't get the three figures. Absolutely. Um, and 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 it was that also injected the fun into it. That Mark yeah. Wood at number eight, uh, uh, one of those people who everybody loves. I don't think it's medically possible to dislike Mark Wood. Um, he's <laughs> He's just so, like, such an amenable character. But 
watching him enjoy himself out there, you know, watching those players laughing about it and having a good time. They weren't worried about the match situation. They were just just doing what needed to be done in the moment, and it felt in the moment. Um, if you can hear disruption in the microphones, we're we're recording in a very windy spot. Sydney's <laughs> Sydney's throwing its weather at us once again. So apologies if there's some some pops and clicks with the mic. Let's rewind it to the first session because. Yeah. Uh, Scott Boland, I want to make this point. He's six for seven at the MCG. We know that. Then he comes on here, bowls four overs, doesn't concede a run, and picks up two more wickets. A perfect one to get Zach Crawley. Perfect seam-up position. Hits the seam, jags in, and hits the very top of off stump. Chef's kiss. And then he bowls a really tight over to Joe Root. First ball of the next over, slips one a bit wider, and Root plays at it. And he edges it into the cordon. Smith takes a great catch above his head. But Boland, at that point, he's got... Uh, eight wickets in his last eight overs at a cost of seven runs at that point in test cricket. So that idea that he had this dream run in Melbourne that would never replicate, well, it replicated. It just continued at Sydney. Yeah, I think at one stage he had nine for 17, if you go back to when he took his uh, wicket in the first innings at Melbourne, yep. which drew him level with Ollie Robinson for wickets in the series from 121 balls, and Robinson's bowled like 1,021 yep. balls, maybe even more than that, <laughs> through the series so far. He's England's leading wicket taker. Yeah, and what I love about Scott Boland is that well, a few things I love about him. One is that um, he has a method, uh, and that's to do with the length that he bowls, thus that ball to Crawley. He's he's not trying to induce the drive necessarily, but he's just got a way of always seemingly have balls that are hitting the bales. So that, you know, that's a reminder that you don't need to be express pace. We go back five years or so in the Darren Lehman regime. If you weren't quick enough, you weren't good enough. Well, yep. Bowen's not quick enough. Well, I suppose he's not slow, but he's not... He's not bowling at a pace that you would he's, think he's would get 137. you. He's your 137s, exactly. He's not your 147s, which for a time there, it felt like you needed to be that to have a place in Australian cricket. But no, he is, yeah, 132 to 137, but so consistent and ju- gets enough natural variation from hitting the seam six times and over that when he bowls something that's short and wide, not that it was especially short or especially wide, but short and wide enough that Root thought, at last some respite. Right. At last I can play my shot that I score with, but it got a tiny bit more bounce than he might have thought. Mm-hmm. In the end, it looks like catching practice. To the untrained eye, and I probably described it this way on, on commentary, that it looks like he was feeding Smith a catch. When you think about it a little bit more, it's actually a shot where Root's not trying to place it there. He's just yeah. miscued it. That Root scores a lot of runs behind point with a similar bat angle to that. He's uniquely talented in that respect. But, However, but, but I think trying to, of, trying to play a punch off the back foot on a pitch that's moving around like that yeah, with that three time. slips and a gully and a point, it's not a high percentage shot. It's exactly. not a shot you need to play at that point well, in time. That, that, that was what I was going to go on to say. It, 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 I talked about you know Butler's palpable exhaustion. <laughs> Root's got to be knackered at, at least some level. I mean, Brett Sunderason, our colleague from Crickbuzz, watches him in the nets every day, and he's detected this, that Joe is going through, a, going through a time, not unreasonably. If you're leading this team to a heavy defeat for the second time, in all probability it will be your last series as test captain, you are excused for going through a bit of a thing, and that's what I attached to that shot today. And you could see by the way he was trudging off. He knew. He was, yeah. he was gutted. And it was the dot ball pressure. Green at the other end as well. That trap to Milan, I mean, I think that might have been my favourite moment of the day. He hits Milan twice on the glove, around the wicket angle. It prompts the change in field. The leg gully goes in. Kawaja sets in. I wouldn't even call it leg gully. I'd call it like yeah. 
third leg slip or something like that if you were drawing. Yeah, they drawing brought the, one in the previous over as well for Cummins, I think it was bowling at the yeah, time, Cummins that, or Stark. That's right, so it was it, Cummins. It had yeah. been in for about eight balls. Cummins Sorry, bowling, the, bowling, bowling. They, yeah. It hit the gloves a couple of times, popped the leg slip in, and the very next over it's there for Green and the catching practice. That's again. right. So they, they bring it in for the start of Green's over at the other end, different batsman, hits him twice on the glove, and then and then Milan on the stroke of uh, what would have been lunch, yeah, lunch, tries to hurry up with one, feeds Kawaja, and it's like, you know, there are many ways to skin a cat. Like, you know, that's not maybe the most graceful, elegant dismissal of all time caught down the leg side, but it was clear that they thought this through, they had a plan, it came off, and they were ecstatic. And at that particular point, Green had one for none from 3.5, Boland had two for none from four. That dot ball stretched to 70 all up by the time they scored a run in the middle session, which uh, isn't as many as Steve O'Keefe and, yep. and, uh, and Peter Neville. Eight uh, for 161. Uh, eight I for 161. still remember the score that they were on for about three hours yeah, of commentary. But, but, but what it did do was um, it, it gave Australia the chance to turn the screws and they went from 36 for one to 36 for four and at that point the only real question I had is that will they find a way to get over the follow-on hump and because of Bearstow and Wood they and, and of course Stokes they, they get there and we're having a, a different kind of conversation but I mean Hamid looks completely out of his depth at the moment. Uh, Crawley got a beauty. To that point, I was quite impressed by the way that Crawley was hanging in there. He was he'd he been was dropped. dropped. He'd been let off twice. He'd been dropped no, a short sure. leg and he'd been reprieved by the yeah, no well, ball. I don't know whether he got that inside edge. I was looking for a hot spot, couldn't see one, but still, he was probably dropped at short leg. And yes, he had the reprieve, but he was hanging in there. He was playing with a nice straight blade down the ground. You know, batting like a guy who was going to ride his luck and maybe it could yep. turn into something until Boland. Hits, hits his off bail and, and that's kind of that. Um, Hamid is way off the pace. He probably can't play at Hobart next week. We've already mm. talked about Root and Milan and they're reeling yet again and this top order. I mean, I mean, you look at their opening partnerships. Yeah. Their highest opening stand in this series remains 23 from the second innings at Brisbane. Wow. Say no more. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah. So that that first, even though it was a short session, it just felt like okay, England are doomed here. They are yeah. careering to defeat, in your words. Again, that's that's how it felt, because Stark goes straight through Hamid, Boland picks up his two, Green gets the one down the leg side, thirty six for four, and not only that, in the inning so far, three catches dropped, the reprieve for the yes. no ball, and the one that hits Stokes's uh, off stump just after the break, and, and the bail doesn't come off. So there are five. Non-wickets. Australia have taken four wickets and five other would-be wickets that weren't completed. And it didn't feel like, oh, this is frustrating and Australia have missed their chances. It felt like they will continue to make this many chances. And then, whoop, 
the whole narrative changes because someone goes on the counterattack and it works. And you see people try to counterattack and hole out and they get criticised and all the rest of it. It is a, a dangerous game at times, but on this occasion, suddenly the pitch looked like it was true and, and easy to play strokes on and, and suddenly strokes were being played. Yeah, one point we missed in, in discussing the the counter-attack of Stokes and Bairstow was they didn't let Lyon bowl to them. I thought that was really important. Lyon has been a maiden machine in this series and they just didn't let Lyon do what he's been doing, uh, bowling it into a bucket, you know, on the length that he wants to bowl it into, allowing Lyon to effectively find his range in his first few overs. They went the other way today. They were sweeping him from the get-go. Uh, they were looking to get down the track to him and it meant that it took Lyon you know, a lot longer to settle, I suppose. And Lyon hasn't got a great record here at the SCG with the exception of the 10-wicket bag he took here against New Zealand a couple of years ago. He's been more expensive here than at other grounds, which uh, I suppose is not what we expect at Sydney. Historically, Sydney being a spinning pitch and this being his home ground. But it's the first time we've seen that kind of intent against Lyon. It's all too late, of course, but it shows at least at some small level there is that marginal gain where they're realising that they, they can't allow Australia to always dictate terms especially when their fast bowlers can, can do what they did before lunch. So uh, they end the day with Johnny Besto still there. He'll come back tomorrow with Jack Leach, try to add some more, try to narrow that deficit from 158 and, and see if they can have some hope of clawing back into the game. They probably won't. Australia will probably still win it, but it was a day where there was something to enjoy from an England perspective. Final word, Hall of Fame. It's where we pick the most final word moment of the day. It oh, is. there are some doozies today. You have to go back to the Stokes shot. The one where he comes down the wicket, yeah. realises that Lyon has bowled way outside his off stump. Got him in the air, hadn't and, he? And there's form yeah. for that with Stokes. There's the one where he comes down the wicket at Headingley and then does the switch hit and turns around and pumps yes. it um, over what would have been backward point, uh, sort of turned it into square leg. On this occasion, totally done in the air. He's roasted. He's going to miss it. He's going to be stumped. But instead, he it's so wide of him and he's been done in the flight, but he reaches out for it. And even though he's not to the pitch, he picks it up in this elegant looking cover drive full extension of the arms and just lofts it over cover for six outrageous absolutely outrageous and there was a cover drive that Stokes played as well that was kind of like vintage Ben Stokes he came down the track he didn't flat bat it but he turned the ball from a good length into nearly a half volley that little shimmy that he does when he's at the peak of his powers and it's a bit of a reminder that when he's going and you know maybe it took the injury to free him to play that way but when he's going he's still one of the best in the world to watch so certainly echo your sentiment there um, the ball that hit the stump let's just go back to that for a moment that was given yep. out leg before wicket and, yeah. now, and I felt for Paul Rifle because what else could he possibly think it hit I know there's quite a big gap between ball and pad but prima facie you're seeing the ball deviate that far I suppose he's like well it kind of has to be pad otherwise why isn't the bail right. laying on the ground and one more point on this uh, Chris Rogers made this observation on our call. In England, I didn't know this, in England, they water the stump uh, holes each night. Uh, no, it might have been Cat, actually, not, 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 not Bucky. But alas, they, they water the stump holes. So when the stump so the gets hit... the soil's loose. The, the stump actually goes cartwheeling. Think about it. The, the stumps do go cartwheeling in England. Right. And there's no way that that bale could have stayed on. Yeah. But here, they kind of mallet the stumps into the turf and it's rock solid. And I suppose that means there is a greater possibility right. of, of the stump remaining still. I mean, it seems bizarre because it yeah. did hit it flush. I mean, 
I'm, I'm thinking like the Ryan Harris ball to Alistair Cook in right. the 2013 14 Bail matches. wouldn't have come off. Maybe the bail wouldn't have come <laughs> off. And it, um, also every uh, LBW that's given on umpire's call where it's shaving the stump, you're like, well, would that have knocked the bail off? It probably shouldn't be out then. Yeah, or you should revise the rules so that you don't actually have to knock the bail off. You just have to hit the stump. I know I've talked about this when before. When the bails are off, that's what does happen. Yes, yes. Well, the, the point of the bails is to show you that the stump has been hit. Yes. So if you can tell that the stump has been hit without needing bails, why don't we just do away with bails altogether? Yeah, if it's too it does, windy... It does increase the size of yeah, you the could, stump. Yeah, you could leave the bails on for size, but right. change the law that they actually have to come off. Because if it's too windy for bails, the umpires take them off. They do. And yes. all you need to do is clip the stump. Which is always a point of controversy right? in park cricket. Exactly. I mean, I've seen it. I've played in games where there's been debate as to whether the ball, the ball hit, the hit the stumps when the, when the bails aren't there. Absolutely. So, got a purpose. if you can get a wicket by just clipping the stump with no bales on it you should be able to get one for clipping the stump with bales on it but yeah i think i think more insular more more getting more in depth on in, in depth on that as, as a hall of fame entry is that after it happens so okay ball hits the stump it deviates there's this appeal uh everyone looks a bit confused paul rifle thinks about it for about 10 seconds and yeah. then goes out because like you say it's got to be out on the replays it's about five inches from the pad and he's shouldering arms so it's it's not like the noise is from it maybe hitting the bat exactly yeah but the bail's not off and so while it actually goes upstairs it's not like Paul says oh the bail's on so he's not bold well Paul Wilson the third umpire before they even looks at a replay goes we think it might have hit the stump pistol but (laughs) David Warner goes up to the stumps and starts poking it (laughs) and the bail doesn't come off and he flicks it and he pokes it some more and then he taps it and the bail still doesn't come off and eventually he's basically playing the djembe on the off stump for the left hander and the bail still doesn't come off so if it's not going to come off at that point when is it ever going to come off what do you need to do like is this a new piece of of, of idiom like as solid as an SCG stump <laughs> how can a bail not fall we should off? make it that way we should make it a final yeah. word idiom and, and try and get it circulating another bit of Davy uh, a Davy action today Davy magic um, little think, Davy magic when um, when Bearstow had his thumb taken off yeah just Davy went over and just picked up his bat and played with his bat for five minutes <laughs> with Marcus Harris <laughs> of course they're great mates from Sunrisers aren't they so right. they opened the batting together but yeah his first thought was oh a bat's on the ground yeah right, time, pick that time, up. The pl- time the shadow bat you did um, the beauty let's check it out <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would, I would also throw in uh, Johnny Besto when he was batting. When Scott Boland hit the deck, he lost his footing, landed really heavily, had to go off and, yes. and get a scan and so on. And he was obviously quite. He was uncomfortable. He was winded. And, and Johnny Bairstow was really nice, but he went over to him and sort of helped pick him up and just checked that he was okay and in a more than a cursory way. I, I thought that was really nice. There were yep. these there were these little moments. Um, Cummins came up to, to Bairstow a few balls after the, the thumb hit and checked in on him and, and made sure he was all right. So, you know, it hasn't been 100% friendly ashes, but that was sort of friendly ashes. And, and yep. the last Hall of Fame thing is what I referenced off the top. 37 tests now for Pat Cummins, whatever it is. Yes, nobody's, bang, bang. nobody's hit him for three sixes before. Nobody. What about two in a row? No player. Mark Wood? Two in a row, sure, but nobody in an innings has ever hit him for three sixes. A couple of players have hit him for two. Stokes at Headingley hit him for two, uh, and there might be there might be another in there somewhere. But Mark Wood, the first player to ever hit him for three sixes in a test innings. Oof. Love it. And I think he, I don't think he was smiling by the third one, but no. yeah, I think you're right. This, this series has been played in pretty good spirits at this stage because of course the result is more or less a foregone conclusion but you know what 
this test isn't a foregone conclusion. Uh, I was talking elsewhere about this before that everybody remembers 1998-99 at the MCG when Dean Headley went nuts on the last day and a come from behind victory. It's a great Ashes moment. I'm not saying England at 158 behind are going to put themselves in that situation, but two days to go. If the rain stays away tomorrow and we can get a fantastic final day finish here at the SCG, it'll all be worth it. Let's hope for that. Jeff, let's Wouldn't hope for it that. be nice? Let's hope for it. Uh, this has been the final word, the Ashes Daily, the incredibly windy Ashes Daily. Uh, <laughs> thank you for staying with us as we're almost blown off the top deck of the SCG. Uh, we'll be back on any other day when there is or are ashes. That's what an Ashes Daily is for. Uh, other shows in the Final Word feed, if you want to look them up, and you can find us on patreon.com slash the final word. Jeff Lemon, Adam Collins, we will see you tomorrow. Good night. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. That's it for today. Thanks from Adam, Jeff and me for listening. We will see you back here tomorrow. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a rating that will help other people like you find us. This episode was produced by Sophia Tarek. The Final Word is produced by Bad Producer Productions and edited by James Hurley. The executive producers are Melanie Tate and Miles Martinoni.